So we're concluding this series, talking about being a new family. In light of the resurrection, new creation has started, that we get to become this new family in God. And we've talked about what, you know, what it means to be new creation, what it means to be adopted, to be given a new name in God's family, to, to leave parts of our family of origin uh, and cleave to the family of God and what it means to take off like the, the old clothing of the old man or the old woman, as it were, and, and to put on the new clothing of Christ as, uh, as individuals and as a people, right, to develop these rhythms of, of affections for God and pursuing him in the gospel. And so today, uh, I want to talk about really the fuel of that whole thing, the Holy Spirit, right, the Holy Spirit uniting us as one body, as one family, and I want to read from Ephesians 4 to kind of set the tone of, of where we're going. This is Paul writing to probably multiple congregations, fitting, right, in Ephesus. And he says this in Ephesians 4. Therefore, I, the prisoner in the Lord, urge you to live worthy of the calling you have received, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to like, listen to this, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Basically saying there is a unity, like no matter what, we are one family. It's happened. It's true. And now we get to make the effort to live in it, to take part in that being one family, right? And so I was thinking about this concept, and I was remembering uh, my Aunt Joyce. My dad is one of seven, and uh, his, one of his older sisters, Joyce, uh, became sort of the, the matriarch of the family, as years went by. And, and she was this woman who, despite being widowed early in her marriage, um, became sort of this glue for the extended family. Like, if I think back to my earliest memories of childhood, the majority of them are at my Aunt Joyce's house. This modest little ranch-style home where she would have all of these seven brothers and sisters of hers with all of their, like, bajillion kids over, and we would all get together and we'd have these family reunions at her house. We would do birthday parties there. We would celebrate sad things there. We would celebrate uh, engagement parties there and baby showers there. And like just life happened there because of Aunt Joyce. And she was the one that pulled everything together. And as she passed on and we all got older, it's just sort of, just sort of gone away now, right? And maybe you've experienced something like this in your family. But it was she. She was the one that would call us together and make us a better family to remember who we were as the Entwistles, right? That's my last name and whatever. So just to remember who we are as a tribe, right, in this extended weird family. Well, today what I want to talk about is how in the Spirit, that, that, that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God is the one that wants to pull us all together. That He is, I, I'm going to say He for lack of a, a better term maybe, that He is this part of this community with God and the, the Father and Jesus, part of this triune community from the beginning that wants community for us, that wants to make us one with God and one with one another. This is Jesus' prayer. You see it in the book of John. 
And when we walk with the Holy Spirit, when we, when we flow with the Holy Spirit in the way that he is going, we walk as one family. Like the end result is that we're all pointed towards the same thing and we bond with God and we bond with one another. And the Holy Spirit is the glue that makes this happen, the energy that fuels this, this engine as it were. And so I want to look sort of just from a theological perspective about things that the Holy Spirit does, right? Like the person and role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the how. So the Holy Spirit, first of all, is the one that calls us. Like we're not Jesus followers. We are not people of God adopted into the family if it's not for the Holy Spirit doing a work first and foremost. We don't seek God. God seeks us. If we're going to be in this passage a little bit today, if you want to go there, in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, Paul makes this statement. He starts with a therefore, but that, that's sort of like, you don't need that. <laughs> therefore, I want you to know, listen to this truth, I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God can say Jesus is cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. You understand what he's saying? Like, it's only by the Spirit that we're able to proclaim that Jesus is Lord, that we're able to put him on the throne in our lives. Other, another place in, uh, to the Corinthians, Paul says that the Spirit gives us the mind of Christ, actually illuminates our brains and our hearts to open up and start to see the things that Jesus sees, to believe what he's telling us and calling us to. It's only by the Spirit, first and foremost, that we get to become a family of God. It's what he wants. It's the work that he's doing. It's him who opens our eyes and our mind. And in this process, Paul tells us in Ephesians 2, is that, that all of us, when this is happening, he's calling all of us to this, we start to bond together and become this place where not just as individuals, but as a people, God wants to dwell that his spirit wants to dwell in us. Like the tabernacle of the Old Testament, we become these individual and corporate tabernacle where the spirit of God wants to dwell. But it all starts with him. It all starts with the spirit. We don't do this. It's something bestowed on us by the Holy Spirit. He is the one that calls us. But then beyond that, once we are believers or followers of Jesus, born-again Christians, whatever term you want to use for yourself, once we are in this place of having been called, the Spirit then continues to do a work in us, continues to confirm in us that very calling that we started with, right? He's, he's reminding us who we are. He's calling us to this intimacy with the Father, with God, our heavenly Father, the Holy Spirit is the one who regularly tells us the gospel in an ongoing basis. This is what, this is like, listen, this is why Jesus actually tells his disciples, it's better that I go away and the Holy Spirit comes than if I stay with you. J.D. Greer says something like, it's, it's better to have the Holy Spirit inside of you than Jesus beside you, which is wild. I don't always feel like that. Maybe you don't either. But Jesus is saying it's actually better if the Holy Spirit comes and dwells inside of you. Why? Because he goes on to say he's going to remind you of all of these things that I've told you. He's going to speak truth. He's going to convict you when you're wandering off the path. He's going to show you what righteousness is. He's going to show justice to the world. He's going to remind you of who you are in Jesus, in this family of God. And isn't it interesting? Think with me about Jesus' baptism, Right? When Jesus is baptized, do you remember what happens? This, this dove comes down and lands on him. And what the writers tell us is that it's like the presence of the Holy Spirit there. 
And God's voice comes out of the heaven and says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. This is like the role of the Spirit is to let us know God's presence in our lives, confirming it to us, telling us who we are, reminding us of the things that Jesus has told us, the things that we've read in Scripture, like the, the prophetic words people have given us, the things they've prayed over us, these promises of God. The Holy Spirit is at work trying to testify these things to us. Paul tells us in Romans 8 that the Holy Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. When the world wants to tell us all these other things, when sin and the the enemy want to tell us all these things about ourselves, the Holy Spirit is there whispering, no, 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 but you're God's. No, 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 no. You are a son. You are a daughter of the Most High God. You've been called into a new family. You've been given a new name. This is the role. This is the beauty of the Holy Spirit. So then I have a question for you. How does that happen? You're like, okay, that sounds good. That sounds nice. Okay, the Holy Spirit does that. That's great. How does that happen? So this is where I personally think that spiritual disciplines come into play. All right, it's like, all right discipline, everybody's like, I don't like that word. Like rules of life, right, we don't like rules either. Habits, maybe we like that word. Practices, these things that we do to carve out a space in our lives to hear from God, to take time to listen to what the Spirit is saying. He's always speaking. Are we listening? So are we taking time for prayer? I don't say this to guilt us. I say this just to remind us of like, this is how we get to hear from God. This is a privilege we have as children of God. Are we, are we taking time in silence, in solitude, saying, Lord, speak, I'm listening, to just shut up for a little while? You know, God speaks. Are we listening are we taking time to, to carve out space in the day, at the beginning of the day, at the end of the day? Are we, are we meditating on the scriptures? You know, it is good. It is good to, to blaze through scripture in a year and say, man, I'm going to read this whole Bible. Fantastic. That's great. Praise God. I've never once been able to do it. Weird confession. Doesn't matter to this talk. But anyway, it's good to read through the Bible, but it's also great to meditate on it to pick a passage of Scripture and just soak in it and just stay there and say, Spirit, what are you trying to say to me through this? You ever have words just jump off a page? You're like, boom, like something hits you in a new way. Can I tell you that that's probably the Spirit saying, be here for a little while. Visit with me on this thing. Let me speak this truth into your being. So the Spirit calls us. The Spirit goes on to confirm us on a regular basis through prayer, through silence, solitude, through others speaking into us. Are we listening to this confirming work of the Holy Spirit? And then as we grow, as we wander on this way of Jesus together and as individuals, the Spirit does this work of conforming us to the image of Jesus. You know, like this is one of his main jobs, is to shape us into the image of Jesus, that we don't get to just stay as we are. We're loved as we are, but we don't have to stay there. We can actually become more and more like Jesus, finding fullness of life in him. And as we, as we believe the gospel more, as we listen to the spirit more, we grow into this fullness of life in looking more and more like Jesus. You know, a famous passage that many of you probably know from Galatians 5, Paul is explaining to these uh, Galatian readers about like leaving behind the old ways, Right? Leaving behind that old clothing, but then becoming these new people who are not walking by the flesh, but are walking in the Spirit, walking by the Spirit, walking with the Spirit. He says this, 
But the fruit of the Spirit, he's just listed all these nasty fruits of the flesh. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. Who does this sound like? Jesus, right? Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh, right? Like, like crushed it, thrown it off, do this work of, of killing it off. Crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, right? If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Saying, if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The image I try to use for this in my own life is like, let me flow with the Spirit. What's the Spirit doing in this moment? What's he calling me to in this relationship, in this problem right now, this this conversation, this argument? A couple of years ago, we went to this um, family gathering with my wife's family, and Jess's parents rented this great big house on this this little lake. It wasn't a lake. It was a, a, a glorified pond, okay? And there was water there, and alongside of it ran this little creek. I mean, like as wide as the stage. It was not very big. But while we're there one night, we're sitting around talking, and this massive thunderstorm comes up. I mean, like yesterday, where it's just like dumping buckets of water. And my brother-in-law, Jeff, is like insane. Like always, like skiing, snowboarding, flipping, trampoline, like just like anything you can name of where he could possibly hurt himself, he likes to do it, okay? I'm not so much like that, but when I'm around him, I'm like, maybe I am, you know? And so he says, I'm going to go get a kayak, and I'm going to go ride that creek, And I'd seen that creek, and it was like this. Well, we went to it after that rain, and it was like class four rapids. I mean, like raging, like hitting the bridge that it crossed under. Sticks are flying through it, and Jeff's like, I'm getting a kayak, and I'm going. And I'm like, okay. So we all paddle across the pond. We go with him. We get to this creek, and he gets in a kayak and just goes down there, and he makes it look so easy. And I'm like, I want to do that. So he comes back up, and he gets a canoe. I'm like, all right, two of us can go in this. I, for some reason, this makes me feel safer. We get in this canoe. I'm in the front. He's in the back because he thinks he's somehow going to steer this thing in the midst of this. And we get going, and the canoe's like immediately like, just like bulldozing through the water. Water's coming in, and eventually it starts to go sideways, and you're like, oh, no. Oh, no. Suddenly, I'm backwards, and I'm trying to turn around. It's like the boat wasn't coming back around, but we had to quick turn around, so I'm facing this thing. And, it, and then the thing just whoop, does a 180 into like, a, it was like we parallel parked the canoe right along the side. And I was like, oh my gosh, we're alive. Like, it was probably 30 seconds. It was exhilarating. It was the greatest. Why do I tell this story? Just to be funny, maybe. But here, this is what's happening, right? That you know this if you've kayaked, if you've canoed, whatever. It's easier to go with the flow, right? It's better to go with the direction of the water. You don't want to go sideways. That's bad. You certainly don't want to try to work against it. It's not going to happen, Right? What Paul's calling us to, what he's saying the Holy Spirit does is conforms us to the image of Jesus, but we partner with it by walking in the Spirit, by saying, okay, Spirit, which way are you going? What do you want from me in my life? And rather than trying to fight against it, which we do all the time, we're like, no, 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 I'm going to stay stubborn. No, 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 I'm going to stay angry. No, no, I'm I'm like, right? No, no, I'm going to keep yelling at my kids. No, 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 I'm going to keep being greedy. And the Spirit's like, there's a better way. There's a fuller life to be had in looking like Jesus. And we have this choice as Jesus followers, as people in the family of God to say, oh, okay, all right, I want to surrender to that. I'm going to believe that. I'm going to give in to that. See, we, I have a tendency to think of walking by the Spirit as some holy thing I need to do. 
When really it's just going, oh, knucklehead. Okay, I'm going to choose that instead. I'm going to go, oh, I see what you're calling me to. I'm going to believe you and I'm going to go to that. This is the role of the Holy Spirit is prompting our consciences to say, here's a better way. Here is a better way. Will you choose it? And what Paul tells us in Romans 8 is that when we choose this, the Spirit gives life. That the mind of the Spirit is life, that the mind of the flesh is death. And when we choose life, you know what we find? Oh, this is good. I want to keep choosing this. I don't want to keep picking that death way. I don't want this canoe to be sideways. I'm going to go with God and find life. And this is how it starts to, we, we start to walk in this. And we're like, oh, I get it now. Of course, it's fits and starts, and we need mercy every day, but it starts to become this habit of trying to listen to the Spirit and believe our childhood in God and live into our new name and looking more and more like Jesus. So again, let me ask you a question. Are you listening to the Spirit in your life? Are you taking time to say, is that what you wanted for me? Are you taking time to reflect on your behaviors, your choices, your family of origin stuff that comes into your life and marriage and relationships, what you think about where your significance comes from, your approval, your security. Are you taking time to say, God, is that really you or is this just my flesh? For me, again, this is just a practical example. I know Adam's talked about this before. One of the things I try to remember to do is called the prayer of examine. Anybody ever heard of this before, the prayer of examine? I, I, if Adam listens back to this, everyone from Bethlehem just raised their hand, all right? The prayer of examine is this, this idea that, that we take time to say, oh God, oh God let, me, let me look back over my day. Confirm for me where the gospel was happening. Confirm for me where good things were happening, where peace and joy were coming from. Show me those things. And then we also take time to say, God, show me where I walked away from that. Where I was cruel to someone today, where I wasn't bringing peace, where I was not loving. And the Spirit has a way of bringing those things to mind, man. You're laying there in your bed and you're like, oh, God, I'm sorry. I don't want that. And guess what? You get up the next morning and try again. It's great. This is the mercy that's new every morning. This is why we need the gospel every day. It's not just the invitation. It is the party, right? Like we get to live in this every day. So we pray this prayer of examine to say, God, are you calling me to something different? Not that I have to work at it so hard, but are you calling me to believe something different that I can then just walk with you in this thing? So then, calling, confirming, conforming us. Then what Paul says is that when we are doing this together, that God uses it for the common good. That he grows us together when we are all individually pursuing Jesus. That we become more and more bonded together. That he, he shapes us the way that he has for the sake of the common good of his church body, and I would argue the church as a greater whole. Go back with me to 1 Corinthians 12. If you remember 1 Corinthians, this is a massively divided, warped group of people. I'm going to say we're like a little bit better than them. Probably shouldn't say we're better than them, but I, we don't have nearly the problems that they do, okay? Praise God. So he's writing to this massively divided, warped people. He says, therefore, I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God can say Jesus is cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit does this thing, right? Gives us the mind of Christ. Now, there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God produces each 
gift in each person. He calls it right here, a manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for what? The common good. To one is given a message of wisdom, or like a prophetic word, some people call it, through the Spirit. To another, a message of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the performing of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, differing kinds of tongues, meaning speaking in different languages. To another, interpretation of those languages. One and the same Spirit is active in all of these, distributing to each person as he wills. So just pause there for a second, Laura. Spirit, for the common good, gives all of us as individuals talents and gifts and ways that he's calling us to minister to others, right? For the sake of the church, for God's glory, right? So these gifts, gifts and talents and all these different things that happen to us, this is like not an exhaustive list. There's other places in the New Testament where you see things listed, right? Hospitality and things like that. So then he goes on in verse 12. For just as the body is one, meaning your body, my body, and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though many, are one body, so also is Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, whether Republicans or Democrats or men or women or rich or poor, all one. And we were all given one Spirit to drink from. He's saying one of the roles of the Holy Spirit this Holy Spirit that is a part of the triune God that loves community is taking all of us, this motley crew, and saying, all of you from all the different walks of life, the different backgrounds, the different talents, you're one body. You're one body. And I would argue we are one body in Nazareth. We are one body in Bethlehem. We are one body as Hope Alliance. And then even more crazily, we're one body with all Jesus followers. Isn't that weird? It's going to be true. Whether we believe it or not, we're going to find out someday. We're like, oh, you're here too. Interesting. Right? So the Spirit does this thing where he gifts all of us and says, but this is for the common good. It's not just so you can be puffed up and feel good about yourself. This is for the sake of the whole body. Now, here's the thing. Unity, this is important. Unity does not mean uniformity. All right? Unity does not mean uniformity. We all believe Jesus we're all children of God put into one family, but we're very different. We have different talents, different gifts, different backgrounds, different political leanings, different, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's all there in this one hodgepodge group of people put together, but for the common good, God has wired us and made us different people so that we all bring different things to the table so that we can build one another up. Why? To look more like Jesus, so that we can find more unity, so that we can become more like him and for, the, you know, for his glory and for the good of the world. It actually means community through diversity. Like through diversity, unity happens. This is the glory of the Holy Spirit that somehow when we surrender to the flow of the Holy Spirit, we actually can live together and love one another. We actually can use our gifts and talents to build one another up for the sake of the church and for God's glory. We are individually gifted, but for the common good. All being built into this holy temple where the Holy Spirit comes to dwell. The Christian journey is not an individual journey, friends. It's just not meant to be. It never was. 
This is why I long for us to be together as often as possible. This is why I love when there's more people in the room on a Sunday because it's like, oh yeah, all right, I needed that voice here. That person, they're doing that thing. Oh, they're ministering to that person. It's like, it's not all about me. It's not like, it's, it's God doing this thing when we are all together. This is the beauty of the Holy Spirit at work. So there's two ways that I see this happening, just briefly. Mission, like the mission of the church, of letting Jesus be known, his glory be known here and around the world. So we use these gifts to make the glory of God, make him famous here and around the world, and then gospeling one another. We use it as a verb, right? We gospel one another, and guess what? Like, we are not all going to click at the most intimate personal level with one another. That's why it takes a group of people. There's times, there's times, I'll pick on Judy, right? There's times when Judy says something to me, and it's like, boom! It just hits me in a way that if John says it, it just might not. Like, we need one another. We need the gifts and talents of the people in the room, not to just, like, make ministry happen, but to gospel one another as a constant reminder of who we are as the family of God, individually gifted, but for the common good, for mission, and so that we can teach, exhort one another, build one another up. So we do that through being together, through humbly using our gifts to serve one another, through having faith to use those gifts, whether we're scared to or not, to step out on a limb and say, okay, I will be hospitable and open my home up to host community group. Oh, okay, maybe I actually am called to teach. All right, God, I'm going to take a step towards that. Maybe you're calling me to help out with, with children's ministry. Maybe, maybe you're calling me to love this person and bring them a meal. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what it is. The list is long, right, of how we can use the ways that God has wired us for mission and for gospeling one another. So here's the thing, right? Back to the beginning. The fuel for all of this is the Holy Spirit. Walking with the Holy Spirit, surrendering to the, to the flow of the Holy Spirit and walking with Him means inevitably walking in unity. So the main how in all of this, the main way that we do this is the same way that we started, Paul says, by believing the gospel. Turn with me to Galatians 3. Paul writes this letter to the Galatian churches, and they're, they're struggling, trying to lean into law and all of this self-effort. And he says, you foolish Galatians, who has cast a spell on you? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified, I only want to learn this from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Saying, how did you receive it? Because you earned it? Because you believed and you received it. Are you so foolish? After beginning by the Spirit, are you now finishing by the flesh? Did you experience so much for nothing, if in fact it was for nothing? So then... Does God give you the Spirit and work miracles among you by your doing the works of the law? Or is it by believing what you heard? The same way that we received unity with God through belief is the same way that we maintain unity with others. By saturating ourselves in the gospel. By daily saying, I am going to believe this. I'm going to turn my affections towards the Father. And what happens is when we are all doing that, we all start pulling together. We don't have to earn the Spirit, we just believe. And man, the Spirit speaks to us, the Spirit confirms in us, the Spirit conforms us, and we start working together and we become more and more like Jesus. And the more and more you experience Him, the more you want more of Him. 
The more you want to be together, the more you want to meditate on Scripture, the more we want to pray, the more we want to take off that crappy old clothing and put on the clothing of Jesus. Right? Like, it's just this circular thing that keeps going, all motivated by belief in the gospel and the presence of the Holy Spirit. I'll read this quote from A.W. Tozer with this classic cover of a deer, a little button buck. I don't know why, but anyway. A.W. Tozer's great pastor and author in our denominational history. It's a great book. I encourage you to read it. It's all about passion for God, basically saying like God's just there waiting for us to be passionate for him. He says this about unity. Yeah, I think we have it, right? Oh, I started my quote in a different place. I'm going to read this one. Has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork, like a tuning fork? Bing! Okay, right? It's not middle C. All right. Has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to each other? They are of one accord by being tuned not to each other, but to another standard uh, to which each one must individually bow. So 100 worshipers met together, uh, each one looking away to Christ, are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be, were they to become unity conscious and turn their eyes away from God to strive for closer worship. Social, like social religion is perfected when private religion is purified. Right? Like what we do as a group becomes better as the individual becomes purely more about the gospel. The body becomes stronger as its members become healthier. The whole church of God gains when the members that compose it begin to seek a better and a higher life. When we are all focused on the gospel, when we are all daily saying, Jesus, I want more of you, passionately believing this gospel, speaking it in one another's lives, like we can't help but align. But it takes us believing. The same way we came in, we keep going is by believing the gospel, saturating ourselves in it, being a confessing and repenting community together, daily struggling to believe this thing, repenting when we fall apart, calling each other back. And the more we focus on Jesus, the more we become like him, and the more we become like him, the more we become one. And it's this beautiful family for the common good. That's why it is so critical, so critical for us to stay focused on the one thing that matters, simply Jesus. Not all the other stuff. Everything else is a distant second tier. We'll tease, we're going to start a new series next week called Love Never Fails to talk about echo chambers and silos and why we divide and why it is that love is actually the way of God. Why we can love and be united because of simply Jesus, the one thing that actually really matters now and through eternity. This is why it's critical for us to be a family on mission, sharing this with the people around us, starting in it, staying in the spirit, growing in the gospel of Jesus and becoming more and more like him for the common good and for his glory. So let me ask you a question as we wrap up. Are you serious about this? Are we just playing church? There's a difference. There really is. We can go to church, we can check the box, and then we can say, done, I did my thing, and put it away, and come back next Sunday and do it all over again. And on the outside, it looks great. 
But is that really the deep walk of the Holy Spirit that God wants for you? Is that, is that really the deep unity that we could have as a family of God when we were all pursuing him passionately? I don't say that to guilt anyone. Please hear me. But I have to ask, are we serious about this? Do we really want that much of God that we're willing to leave this place and pursue the Spirit this afternoon, tomorrow morning? Do our prayer of examine to say, where was I off? To meditate on Scripture, to say, God, speak your promises to me. To listen to the Spirit at work. To bond together and use our gifts for the good of the church and for the glory of God. Are we keeping intimacy with the Father through these different ways that I've talked about? Are we in community? When was, let me ask you a question. When was the last time somebody gospeled you? When you allowed somebody to say, hey, you don't have to live like that. You get to be a daughter of God. When was the last time somebody got to say that to you? That's a scary thing, right? But if we're all believing the gospel, man, it's great. It's wonderful. When was the last time you got to speak into somebody's life and share the gospel with them, believer or non-believer, right? When you got to use your, your individual gift for the common good. Again, I don't say that to gift. I say it because I want something better for you, for me, for our church, for the valley, for God's glory. We, friends, this is the thing, is we get to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit, the fullness of Jesus in our lives when we believe this, when we saturate ourselves in him, when we stay on that path, when we make it all about him, man, that is the full life. And it is so fun to do that together. Like I said, that's not easy. That is not easy. It's not uncomplicated. So we're going to take the next seven weeks to talk about what do we do with the difficult people? You're one, and so am I. What do we do when we don't agree on those second, third, fourth tier issues? The answer is love. So it takes seven weeks to look into that together. I hope you will come back to Bethlehem, back here to Nazareth, online if you're still sick or something. We can dive into that together. Let's take a minute and pray. We'll sing together again.